Warning, the following episode contains adult language and screaming goats. Listener discretion is advised. The Pinball Network is online. Launching The Pinball Show. Ooh, on episode 66 of The Pinball Show, Dennis and Zach have a run-in with the police. We also discuss Halloween in July, Sausage Fingers, two titles, one layout, Stern teasing internet connectivity in September, question mark? Tanya leading another cornerstone title in the future. The Pinball Hall of, for f**k's sake, pinball market trends, and more. But first, ladies and gentlemen, please rise for our national anthem. Hold the hands, you go. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Two cars come. You got two cars coming two different ways. Bag up, bag up, bag up, Terry. Put it in reverse, Terry. Put it in reverse. Oh, Lord. Everybody, it's us again, Dennis Creasel and Zach Minnie with the Pinball Show. We're in episode 66. Uh, this is vacation mode for me. That makes sense. This is supposed to be the episode we came home. Well, you came home, but I came to Gulf Shores, Alabama. Alabama? Ever been to Alabama? Nope. Roll Tide. Yeah, roll Tide indeed, my friend. We're down here. The family is out at the beach right now. My wife, I can, I can almost feel her rolling her eyes at this at this moment but hey this this show has to go on i can't can't skip a week there's a, there's too much news so much news so many the pinballs the news it's it's flowing it's a constant flow here almost like the hurricane that's coming in off the coast it's making it rain all week whoa that sounds like a fun beach adventure it's like the ocean is your giant in-ground pool that you always wanted <laughs> with rain there, Barely holding itself up, that is for sure. Drove down here yesterday, set up shop here in a, my makeshift studio, and forgot some of my equipment, so that's why this audio is so shitty. Uh, listeners, I apologize for that, but it's going to make do. Now, is the fam all wearing matching swimsuits? They're not. They're okay. not. They are cute as buttons, though. Yes, they are. Uh, today, I will be sporting, you guys heard it at the top of the show there, I'll be sporting my gifted back it up terry t-shirt all day and night today i have been seeing those t-shirts all over facebook and i'm assuming it's because i was in on that episode where you brought it up last year and so somehow facebook knows because it knows everything it does and it's trying to get me to buy all these t-shirts but i have far too many t-shirts to continue to acquire more 
Oh, so yeah, this, this show is dedicated to Terry. I hope this year he was able to back it up. You said he got a new wheelchair, though, so he should be okay. He did, but, uh, you know, things happen. Things happen. Because, like, if I was part of his family, I would rig up his wheelchair to mess up again. <gasps> that puts I, him in danger. That would be a eh. serious... That could result in serious prosecutorial backlash. It, it was like a fountain. He's fine. <laughs> second degree It was burns. just snakes. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're not snakes. You read their box wrong. It's glow worms. Now he's on fire. <laughs> they're dog turds. That's what they always look like. That's what they smell like. Man, I still love the Terry thing. I've still watched it at least 20 times this week alone, and it is uh, the highlight for me. It's the highlight of 4th of July. You're all the way out in Alabama, ready to enjoy the beach, and your highlight is an ancient YouTube video. I told Nicole in our drive down here, because uh, we go through Tennessee, and I said, Hey, Han, why don't, why don't we veer off, go right to Memphis, and uh, hang out with Terry and the bunch for 4th of July? She thought I was joking. I've been looking around for contact information. I'll have to have to get Terry on the show at some point. Why do you keep wanting to deliver a pinball machine to Bill when you could be delivering one to Terry? Oh, boy, that's a good idea. I mean, that is, that is ripe for a homebrew theme right there. Back it up, Terry. Yeah, watching those videos, I just, I find a lot of life's purpose. Uh, watching Terry trying to back it up and giving that little, little smile on his on his wheel out and i was thinking about purpose a lot this week and i heard a little tidbit i don't remember if it was from your egp podcast um you find a lot of purpose dennis in watching something on television that kind of astonished me i I would have never guessed you loving this program as much as you sounded like you did and that's live pd oh oh i like to watch drunk stops Drunk stops. Is that different than Life PD? Well, it's probably on there, but like they, I think those sort of shows will show you all sorts of body cam things of arrests and uh, high speed chases. But no, it's the it's the drunk stop specifically that I think is interesting. Most police work is is fairly boring, and in a way, drunk stops are boring too. I just it's so amusing to watch people try and act like they aren't impaired, inebriated people just trying to pull it off. Well, just, uh, didn't, I mean, they could be stoned or I mean, a lot, some of those though are, are ending up, people are ODing and they have to get yeah. the narco out, but which is, <laughs> which is not as, as interesting. They see all the things in the movies and that was the part that was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're so focused on walking that straight line or, or following the, the little flashlight mm-hmm. with their eyes that they're not listening to any of the instructions. And so they're just screwing up left and right, but they think they're doing a really good job because they were able to kind of walk straight. Did we ever talk about that? I, I failed a uh, uh, sobriety test. No, no, we did not. Probably because you know I would judge you. Yeah, I was pulled over uh, in college, and I guess I was driving too nice a car, and was pulled over in college with my wife and my buddies, and I was given that test, and I failed it not because I was drinking, because I, I wasn't, but I think my anxiety, I was so scared and nervous. I, I don't know what happened, but he took the pen, and he said, whatever you do, don't turn your head just follow the pin with your eyes yep and he, he jerked the pin over and damned if my head just didn't go Whoom. you didn't listen to the directions sounds yeah. impaired to me i like That's how you blamed that it was your car was too nice uh, all right so first of all the del sol is never too nice <laughs> the reason i say that is because as they were pulling everything out of my vehicle 
searching for uh, I don't. Lord you knows gave them what. consent? No, they had no consent. Zero consent. They didn't care. Um, they just started tearing into my car. They were egging me on and provoking me. They were like, oh, what did your mommy and daddy buy this car? <laughs> and I was like, fucking asshole. I'm not sure if these were actual. Oh, wow. Yeah, so no, you, have, you have a bleak police story. This legit happened. I just thought it was acceptable and yeah what? i was having like a panic attack with the shakes and everything mm. it was horrible um did i ever tell you the time i got uh pulled over because they thought i was a drug mule <laughs> no what the hell a dr- you now i yeah uh i mean that's my what? assumption now i'm uh wow this is gonna so apologies to everyone who, who likes to complain about podcasts that take 10 <laughs> minutes to get into no this is a true story too okay. uh so I and a, and a friend of mine from college, we had gone down to Oklahoma to uh, go geese hunting. Oh. My my grandfather lived down there, and my uh, great uncle had a like two thousand acres of, of farmland, and so it was it was geese season. And um, so I'm driving back up from uh, I'm still in Oklahoma, getting I think I was near I can't remember if I was going through Oklahoma City or Tulsa. I was just outside the city though, driving north to get back to Kansas. Now I was driving uh, an '88 Camaro hatchback. Nice. And in the back of the hatchback is my cooler where I have my goose meat from the geese. That I thought get. you just iced down all of their heads. Severed yeah. goose heads. No, 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 no. No, I had already I had already uh, gutted them and, and cl- I had already dressed oh. them and, and taken oh. the meat out and, and bagged them. It. I actually pulled the entire skin off so I don't bother. Okay. Them. All right. Okay. Yeah. Jeez. So I open them up and then I cut out the meat pieces that I want. So anyway, but this isn't about how you eat geese. So, so anyway, so I have that and and I, and I'm going along and I'm speeding in the middle of the median on the, on the interstate is, is a patrol vehicle. And so they, they clock me, I'm sure. And they don't go want to around. Get your, don't want to have your geese go bad. Yeah. Home. Oh no, I wasn't, I wasn't speeding by much. So that's part of the story. Okay. So Man. I get pulled over and patrolman, he walks up and he's got a partner and my, my passenger, he was asleep in, in the car. So I, I I've pulled over. And so they've got one guy, one officer is on that side of the vehicle and the other is on mine. You know, I've, I've pulled over, I've turned off the vehicle. I have the window rolled down. It's about 11 or 1130 a, you know, it's before noon. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I pulled you over because you were going 74 in a 70. Oh, wow. Get out of the car. Get out of the car. Wow. Yep. Okay. He pulled me. So now my hands are shaking, Zach, because I have yep. never been pulled from a vehicle before. And I'm like, why does he need me out of the car? It's not dark out. You know, I give him my information and he starts talking to me. And then I believe he realized that because the window was down, my passenger could get, hear all of my answers. So mm-hmm. he has me go back to their vehicle. Well, the other officer starts to question him. I'm assuming to see if our stories sync up. Yep. Same thing. Here, but yeah. so he's walking me back and he tells me to get in his vehicle. Yep. I had to do the same. And so I go to get in the back of the vehicle and he goes, you can't get in the back. You have to get in the front. Yep. I got in the front as well. Mm-hmm. And I get in the front and he was in, he was in an SUV. It's a canine unit. Ooh. So the dog is in the back. That's why I can't be in the back. So I get in there and he really slowly is filling out a warning. I see he's got a warning out. He's filling out a warning for speeding, you know, four miles an hour over. 
and he's asking me about and he said he said it marijuana <laughs> that, that like was that? how he said it and he's calling me boy during a boy you got like, that marriage well when i got out my driver's license he sees my hands are shaking goes why are you hands shaking boy <laughs> and i told him well because i'm nervous and he said him. well that's a good reason and so he fills out those warnings super slow and he gives it to me and he goes okay uh i'm letting you go with a warning don't speed i go i get back in the vehicle buckle up start the car and then it just hits me and i go i just got profiled they saw the out-of-state plates and the cooler in the hatchback and thought I was running pot. Oh, and he yeah. got me in the vehicle so the dog could smell me. Oh, yeah. Because the dog didn't try and rip me apart or get all you know, excited. So this is why you like these shows. So, well, I like to watch the, the stops that don't involve me. So, anyway, I, I, was, I was really mad after it, too. I was like... You can't profile me. Oh, and I was I was unsha- I was unshaven. I was wearing flannel. I mean, oh, I probably yeah. did look like a marijuana runner. Gritty creasel. Four miles an hour. Oh my god. What do what do marijuana runners look like? I guess me. <laughs> I learned it from Old watching Camaro. you, Zach. I learned that's it from right. watching you. Oh man. So anyway, that's my story. That's my story. So my reason I was nervous is uh I knew I had all of my federal geese stuff, like my my duck stamps and everything, but I wasn't sure I was in full compliance with Oklahoma law. It's unregulated goose meat. We're taking this back to the station. I don't know what the I don't know what the rules are. Well, I thought you were gonna say I was really scared because I had a big ass weed blunt in my glove compartment. No, no, I don't. I don't mm-hmm. do that stuff. Yeah. Well, it, interestingly enough, yeah, they ripped through my car. They ripped, they dumped all the stuff out of my backpack. <gasps> they made um, fun of you. They called they you short. They made fun of me in front of my girlfriend, Nicole. They uh, made my, fun of your hairline. At that point, it wasn't thinning. Thank you. And yeah. And you know, the funny thing is they should have found something. <laughs> <sighs> nice job, Popo. Search better. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to this week's SHIT update with Dr. John on the Pinball Show. So the cat is out of the bag, and the new spooky game is Halloween, which is based on the 1978 film by John Carpenter. For those unfamiliar with the movie, it was an incredibly cheap movie, which took two weeks to write the script, 20 days to shoot. The writer, John Carpenter, also composed and played the score and the mask worn by Mike Myers the killer was actually a James T Kirk stretched out $2 toy store mask so the game itself is in three editions as we know the collectors the bloodsuckers and the standard with the higher end model the collectors coming in at under 9000 unless you want to add the butter cab and that'll get you to just under the 10000 mark orders will probably be starting either by the time you hear this or sometime this week so for those who are in the spooky fan club keep your eyes on socials and emails that's it for this week back to the central position hi this is ken rodberg with your jersey jack update over the past week jersey jack pinball has opened up its new website for purchasing all kinds of jersey jack pinball gear 
The website is pinballwizard.com, which, to be honest, I was a little bit surprised wasn't taken already, but that's where you can go to pick up things like logo t-shirts, of course, along with a lot of other Guns N' Roses merchandise, including both the skeletons and monsters versions of the giant banners, posters, hats, and patches. And you can get the previously mentioned $199 Guns N' Roses topper direct from Jersey Jack. Looks like they'll be adding more stuff as they go along, as they have headers for rotating featured legendary t-shirts, as well as factory finds, which are discounted limited inventory items. We'll have to see what other Jersey Jack merchandise gets added over the next few months. For The Pinball Show, this has been Ken Rudberg. Always great hearing from those correspondents. Thank you, All Ken. two Thank of them. John. Where's Craig? Yeah. Craig is on vacation again. <sighs> it must be nice. We don't get this many vacations in the U.S. What the hell is this all about? It may be Canada Day, eh? I don't mm, the upcoming uh, hit pinball machine. I, I've been told. Not too far away from Canada is Spooky Pinball, though. That's true. Wisconsin Unite. Yeah. Bentonians up there are anticipating and awaiting the newest pinball machine from Spooky Pinball, which was announced this last week. It was announced as Halloween. The 19, I'm going to guess, 78 film? That's correct. 1978. Oh, damn. 1978 film. Uh, horror film introducing Michael Myers into the world. Do you, Now, you're a fan of this film. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite uh, classic horror movies. Are you a John Carpenter fan in general? Yeah, I'd say so. Though I always no. think it's amusing because he likes to write a lot of his own music and it's all super basic. Oh, well. Dun, 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 dun. But I mean, oh, it's real catchy. I mean, that one and uh, also the Escape from New York theme, I think oh, a lot okay. with him. He's got some good films. I think at times he's overrated, but this is definitely yeah, this it's is a just, good film. Yeah, he, he really worked on really you know, low budget style uh, in an era where it, it caught a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. For what he was able to accomplish with that. And now, you know, some of it is, oh, it's a, you know, it could be a little, I, I still remember, what is it, Assault on Precinct 13 and, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, continuity man. things weren't always really, sorry, I, again, uh, a firearm thing. I remember they like just glued silencers on everything. They had silencers on revolvers that just wouldn't work <laughs> and stuff. And it's just like, and I remember there was a scene where a guy was shooting and he was out of bullets and it was in his revolver and he just goes, like, dang, silencers. Like, he didn't know he was out of, like, the gun wouldn't buck or anything. So, but somehow with a silencer, that meant even the shooter didn't know Nothing, that yeah. the gun was out of ammo. Right. They're magic, anyway, those silencers. But, but that's not, we aren't doing Assault on Precinct 13. You're very, uh, you're very firearmsy today. Talking about a lot of guns. Are you an assassin? No. Dennis Creasel. I, we didn't grow up assassin. with guns in the house, um, but my. Yeah, they were in your cars. <laughs> yeah, no, but my uh, one side of my family were hunting guides in Alaska. That's a whole other story. We've I know heard. we've heard of all these, all these wilderness people so, in the Creasel. So I have uh, I have done things with fire. I haven't I haven't fired a, a, a gun in years. But Michael Myers didn't need a gun. No, he was he liked to use his mitts or blades or both. I would rather be killed by a knife from Michael Myers than his. He just looks like he has these big sausage fingers. Like, it scared the hell out of me. <laughs> it's just, 
<laughs> just, yeah, just imagine it's, he's he's choking people. You just hear him yelling, "Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean." <laughs> I'd be like, "Those fingers, <laughs> they're so punchy." Yeah, I, take me out with a knife quickly, Michael, please. Spooky Pinball teased a couple pictures of the game this last week, and if you guys are listening to this, they've talked about uh, revealing a lot, if not all, today, but. We didn't want to wait. We wanted to talk about it. So, yeah, we may be a little bit behind here, but they included a zoomed-in picture of the play field, a tombstone. Did you see this picture, Dennis? I did. Uh, I, it's an iconic uh, tombstone from the film. Judith Myers, uh, the our sister, daughter. Yeah, and it's it's a nice sneak peek because it gives you a mold, but it also gives you peripheral information that you can kind of look at as well listener what we're seeing is it looks to be under this tombstone likely i don't i don't know if that's an entrance of an orbit i believe it would be or it's a stand-up target under there and then to the left of that there's another pathway and then to the left of that a scoop it looks like there's a shiny blade of a kitchen knife i don't know what michael myers uses it's not a machete is it he, his tools change throughout the different okay. films, but in in the uh, movie, I believe it's a butcher knife. Oh, it's a butcher knife. Or uh, yeah, it looked or, like a like a cooking knife. Uh, no, or or a carving a carving knife. I guess carving so. knife. Yeah, a pumpkin carving. Yeah, right, sense. right. Because a butcher's knife's the big rectangle one, is that's it? right. Yeah. All right, then yeah. I'm I'm wrong about that. He doesn't use that. Uh, yeah, I think it's a carving knife. So we see that it looks like it's it's horizontal, laid up and sitting up. Uh, along that shooter lane and it is of metal because it's showing reflections from that tombstone and the rest of the play field we see a little bit of the plastic art one of the big things we see dennis is what looks to be metal gates um, on that upper play field probably representing that psychiatric facility yeah i can't think anything else in the film that that had any fencing like that somebody said on pin side that the that the school uh, shots of the school. Oh, there is a chain link fence around the school for like the mm-hmm. playground, I believe. Yeah. So I don't know. We see some art blades here. Uh, it looks like a dark blue nighttime woods area. Any thoughts to what this could be? It looks like a sh- sh- regular shooter lane. Uh, I think it's going to flow into an orbit if I had to guess. But these two lanes in this pick, I don't, they're not both orbits. Yeah, uh, it's too. It's just too zoomed in. To, yeah. I, there's so many things that you could, you know, one could go up into a, a saucer or kick out of some sort, and then just come yeah. right back. You know, I just there are too many scenarios that I any speculation I would have would be meaningless. Do you think it's a good idea that they go psychiatric facility on the upper playfield? I do, because as we said before, there's. I mean, what set pieces do you are you going to use? Yeah, I again, it's uh, that. That or the school, both are, neither have a lot of screen time. Sure. So, it's more the story. I mean, you might as well put it, I mean, because especially depending on how the modes are going, one of the things, I mean, if you were, for example, playing as Michael Myers, getting out of the facility is uh, <laughs> obviously a, a, the early part of the film. So I got to say, this is not going to be a popular opinion. I know that people have been raving uh, from inside saying the art is fantastic. Wait until you check out the art here by Jason Edmiston. Uh, he's done a lot of horror film art in the past, but he's really done a lot of work on Halloween and it does look phenomenal. His, his portfolio of pieces, but uh, 
these plastics? I hope I'm wrong, but uh, Dennis, these the plastics under this tombstone, frankly, look like shit. But I, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, I um, and you know, I don't, I don't get hung up on art as much in terms sure. of what whether what it would make me want or not want the game. Yeah, it's not as it's not as sharp as what I think we've gotten used to lately. It's a little less fine line work and a little more Crayola crayon. <laughs> but I didn't think it was bad. Halloween art. Dennis Creasel, ladies and gentlemen. I like the back glass. The back glass looks phenomenal. That's that's really sharp. I do like the back glass. Um, Spooky's often had really good back glass. Like that was Rob Zombie had one of the best back glasses, in my opinion. That was a good back glass. Uh, Rick and Morty is a bit simplistic, but still a good back glass. TNA looked good as well. Alice Cooper, uh, for my money, Alice Cooper's the mm. back, best it's back a, glass. It's a good one. It's a good one. Zornow, Zorno, Zorno. I thought he was going to be doing art, but I Domino's, very pizza like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The Noid. Cool. The Noid. Yeah, the Noid. We got a little sneak peek of that. We also, if you go into the Facebook comment section, you see Bug taking pictures of the game itself. And we get a little sneak peek of the head art with Mike Myers looking, peering through the the hedges or the grass. Them taking pictures of Bug taking pictures is very Inception. Mm, Especially with Mike watching. Yes. I wonder if his friends call him Mike or did they go formally Michael? Mikey. Mikey likes to kill, doesn't him? Yes, <laughs> hey, him look, does. Mikey likes it. <laughs> like pumpkin pie. <laughs> you just see me eating cereal with sausage fingers. <laughs> he <just> shrugs. <laughs> does, does Michael Myers make any sound? I know that Jason from Friday the 13th kind of makes some... <laughs> but Michael, Michael doesn't make any sound, does he? Um... I'm trying to remember you ever even hear him breathing. I don't, he doesn't, he's not real. No, basically no, okay. he's quiet. Okay. Yeah. The, I think the big difference that I always, cause I don't really associate a lot of sounds with Jason either was, uh, I think that Jason is willing to move quickly and Michael Myers, I think always walks. Does he have a run? I don't think so. Mm. We did see the back of the game showing some gold legs. Yeah. That's interesting. Gold. Yeah, it's a weird... Why not orange? I know. Why not pumpkin orange? Orange is hard to pull off, though. Well, so yes, is powder-coated but... gold. I mean, have we not learned from WWE and Guardians of the Galaxy and Beatles Gold? And it's hard to powder-coat a, a metallic like a gold. We'll see. So the artwork on the, on the back glass looks stunning. Hopefully, uh, that is replicated on the play field. We got some pricing, too. Standards, Bloodsuckers, and a new edition, Dennis Collector's Edition. Oh, now there are three-tier model as well. Wow. Welcome to the club. All the stars are aligning now. The prices, I, I've got to applaud them on their prices over at Spooky Pinball. The standard's coming in at $69.95. That's lower than a Stern Premium. And they are built last. The Bloodsuckers will come in at $79.95. And the Collector's Edition, a Collector's Edition Pinball Machine for $89.95. And they're going to be built first. But I don't know what the differences are, other than the build order. So the difference is really quickly, not to bore our listeners here, but the standard edition requires a $1,000 initial payment. There's no add-ons, and they're built last. That's just your base, base game. You've jumped to the Bloodsuckers edition for an extra $1,000. You have to put down $1,500. You get clear plastic protectors, interior graphics, shaker, 
and a knocker installed, interactive RGB speaker kit, standard powder-coated speaker grill, target decals, coin box with lid, powder-coated bill acceptor door, so you get the powder-coated door, custom metallic flake powder coat, bloodsucker edition plaque, and flipper button protective armor, so lollipop reels. So pretty much loaded. Almost like yeah, that is quite Marty. that is quite a bit for a thousand dollars more. And then for an additional thousand to make it the collector's edition, you get them built first. The plastic protectors now are colored. You get the interior graphics, the shaker, the knocker, the interactive speaker kit, custom powder coated speaker grill, target decals, all the same. Powder coated bill acceptor, everything the same. But then they change it. It says custom vein powder coat. I call that like a hammered powder coat. You see that on the Hobbit. You see that on some of the spooky models as well. You get custom laser cut side rails, which I really like. I really like the cut instead of just a regular lollipop. And you get your collector's edition numbered. You get your plaque. Here's the big one, though. You get a custom interactive licensed licensed topper. Here's where that topper comes in. You get the custom sculpted shooter rod as well and an additional licensed decorative toy. Is it worth the extra thousand? Absolutely. They said on the video, Dennis, that this is their best topper to date. Easily. Yeah, but you you would say that wouldn't be hard. Wouldn't be hard to beat. I'll tell you that much. Their best topper to date is the fucking TNA beacon. Beep. True story. <laughs> but if it's better than the... I like the beacon. So if it's better than the Everyone beacon... Everyone likes the beacons. That's why it's usually a safe choice. Yeah. A little grindy. But I like the effect. So if you're getting a topper, a shooter rod, an additional, like a playfield decorative toy, and you're getting, it sounds like better powder coat coloring, and then the etched, laser etched side rails, I think that alone, because that sounds like the difference here, that alone is worth that extra thousand dollars, especially because they didn't talk about being able to sell or purchase the topper as an accessory later on. Yeah, I think you're putting too much weight on the topper. I don't. I see the $1,000 jump from standard to bloodsuckers. I struggle to do the jump to collectors. But yeah, Well, 2020 cold and it's laughing at you. Well, I'm not saying it won't sell out or anything. I'm just I'm like, talking about for me, I wouldn't because weight. part of that value is that number and I don't care. But why not just spend the extra $1,000 and sell the damn topper for 2000 later? Uh, because that's predatory. I don't know. It doesn't seem like worth my time. Now, on this, you do have to spend $2,000 initially as a payment, so that's noteworthy. And then the Bloodsuckers and the Collector's Editions both have the option of adding Butter Cabinet for an additional $1,000. Now, some people are saying, now we've got five models. Yeah, I mean, it's still the I Yeah, I get it. I could see why they would say that. I don't know when orders are open. They might be open now, but uh, it looks like production-wise, they're, they're already starting the production on these. The first 50 are going to go to special people to get them on location, uh, per Charlie and Bug. Then 50 are going to uh, spooky direct customers. Then 50 are going to be dispersed to distributors and vice versa, just alternating between 50 here, 50 there, 50 here, 50 there. Any interest here, Dennis? Until I see the layout, I no. But I mean, I like the theme. But yeah, I like the theme. I don't buy off a theme. So I mean... Alien's one of my most favorite films, but that's not a good game. Oh, you want me to rehash the Ash quotes? Is that what you want me to do? No, I'm just okay. I'm just saying, like, I'm interested in learning more because I do like Halloween. I think it was probably a pretty good pick for from the suite of horror movies that you could pick from. It's iconic. 
a lot of people respect it if they don't love it. I agree. Um, but until I see like their aspects, like the multiple upper play field stuff, I, I have concerns. Like it sounds like it's going to be a clunk design to me because I just don't see how you can have flow with all of what they're talking about. Mm. And I'm more of a flow player. So, but that's just, you know, that's just my personal preference. Yeah, very true. And then there was, uh, I, I don't know where this can, I don't know if Luke from spooky said this on a forum, but they're talking about releasing an additional game with the same layout. So two titles with this layout. And the other one was said to be more very niche uh, to what Charlie likes, like almost like a little small, tiny little run. What? Killer clowns. I don't know if it would be more family friendly just so you can balance out those sales. If it's more niche, then I would assume not. If you had something more family friendly, wouldn't that be the main title? Yeah, I see. I, I'm so confused by all of this. I didn't see in the uh, in the forums and stuff specifically them saying this, but that's that's the word now. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Far more niche, definitely not more family friendly, and there'd be lower demand for it. But it's such an obscure. I mean, it's a cult classic, but it's not. There's no licensing power behind it, so they could probably secure it. Hmm. I just don't understand this move, really. I again, if. I don't, other than it's a, like just something that they could do. So they did it like, and this layout's great and you could use it. I could definitely see the idea of taking something like Halloween and then saying, and we're also going to do this far more popular license yeah, with but the are, same great layout. Are they going to, and again, this may be in retrospect, you guys might already know the answers to this, but why you'd almost have to release the other title then as well. So that people that are interested in Halloween know that they're not getting another title. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's, it's all weird. And, and some of the stuff that I would say would make the most sense, like, Oh, okay. You want to do Halloween? Halloween's your niche thing. You know, horror is niche in Mm -hmm. just is. There's often been, and I it's again, this is anecdotal. I haven't seen data on it, but that, horror games historically have not sold as well as other types of pinball machines. And that's why they don't make, they didn't even back in the nineties make them very much. Mm -hmm. That's why it was a rare treat to see something like nightmare on Elm street. So, but the thing is spooky only has so much production capability. They can't like do a huge run of Halloween and an even huger run of Harry Potter with the layout. Yeah. One move that I did like that spooky did, they came out and said, look, we're going to have a set number of, games that we're going to build Halloween wise. Right. Right. Now we're not going to come out and say there's only a hundred collectors edition, 250 collectors edition. We're leaving that to you guys that are ordering this. You guys will have the opportunity to order and whatever you order until we get to this thousand, that's how many collectors editions there'll be. That's how many bloodsuckers. That's how many standard editions. I, I like that move. You don't think that that sort of undermines the value of having the limited collector unit count? I don't because when you have such a small company building such a small run of games in general, because they're not going to cap, they're going to go 1,000 and they're going to go 1,500. The majority of them will be collector's edition, in my opinion. And uh, that's still a pretty low number. And I I don't think this company is going for collectability as as much as it could. From a business standpoint, uh, they might be able, they they could so much easier make $9,000 per game so much if they limit them but it doesn't seem like they're interested in that so i think they're they're still going with a ho-hum small family close to the community kind of thing 
Okay. And uh, I mean, that does make sense. Yeah. I, because I mean, what Mandalorian 750, that's how many LEs they had there. And they'll build thousands of pros and premiums. But well, I mean, if, if I mean, does Spooky does also have the there will be a total number of games, period, a set number. So correct, the blend yeah. in a way does probably mean less for them because the whole thing is limited. I don't know why they're making the standard edition, to be honest. Uh, they might they might still worry that there are people that like maybe they would struggle to sell at these other price points if they didn't have an option for. Yeah, I mean, what happened with Rick and Morty was like no one wanted to wait, so practically everyone did Bloodsuckers, so they weren't stuck at the definite end of the line. Sure. And now I'm wondering the same thing's going to happen again with, oh, well, we got to go collectors just because we don't want to have to wait 18 months before they start Bloodsuckers. Which shows you that if they made only 100 collectors editions, build them first, at fifteen to $20,000, they'd all still sell out day one. Probably. I think they still worry based off of some of their other games. Like, I think they still have an internal concern that Rick and Morty was a flash in the pan and not every license is going to do that for them. I don't think this is going to sell as quick as Rick and Morty, sure. but Well, I I agree. I think part of it's going to be that they're making more of them. So there's probably a perception that it's not going to fly, you know, at a thousand units, it's not going to fly the same as 750. And Mm -hmm. there's probably, honestly, less enthusiasm for Halloween than Rick and Morty. I believe so. I believe so. It'll be interesting to see what this week brings us with Spooky Pinball. But we know that there are some really fun upcoming things. We're going to have to wait longer than a week, though, for Stern Pinball to announce. Because George Gomez and Taniel Kleiss were interviewed on Just Another Pinball podcast with Joel Engelberth this past week. They took a deep dive into the development of Deadpool Pinball and some really great in-depth discussion about the early concepts, design, code, reception of said game. But the big news here, George Gomez dropping the biggest nugget on just another pinball podcast exclusively on the Pinball Network. George Gomez comes out, Chief Creative Officer Stern Pinball. He was asked about the possibility of Deadpool getting these extra modes. Are we going to get like what Elwin codes the wizard mode, these timed things? Um, what Dwight Sullivan has been doing with these side missions that you can start them up as a separate mini game. Are we going to be getting that for Deadpool? George Gomez laughs and he proceeds to talk about teaming up with Tanyo again for a project. But this project is bigger than any pinball title. They're collaborating right now on a project coming out in September that will impact a lot of games. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that he has just dropped the gauntlet of internet connectivity finally coming to Stern Games in September. Ooh. We wondered, does that mean just games going forward? Does that mean just scorebit like in a leaderboard? What does that mean? But the way they talked about this, Dennis, it feels like they're going back to probably Spike Games. All the LCD Spike Games. Wow. That would be pretty significant, especially if it's more than just leaderboard integration. Yeah, it just, it just, there was something, something that felt like that. So there you have it. I believe in September, uh, you're going to get, uh, and we got what another game potentially coming around then. Maybe we get the first released game from Stern Pinball with built-in internet connectivity, which opens up the universe of internet connectivity for Stern games. I, I don't know. That's That'd be my guess. Mm, no the SPU, clue. the Stern Pinball Universe. Oh. They also talked about what they're doing in the future. And believe it or not, Tanyo 
is leading another cornerstone game in the future. That's going to excite a lot of people. Mm-hmm. George Gomez said, yeah, once our collaboration here with this big project is done, uh, then Tanyo's he's already working on another cornerstone game. But unfortunately, George is not as lucky. He is not leading design on a game anytime soon. <laughs> I, that does not surprise me. It saddens you, though, doesn't it? Um, I mean, I think he's doing a pretty good job leading all of the teams. And I don't know, you know, it would be a huge gamble to have someone else do that and send him back to being a designer. So I think it's probably for the best for fans of Stern Games that George stay where he's at. Yeah. He's more, he's more impactful where he is than he would be as a designer. I tend to agree. Now that I think about it, you put it like that. Yeah, I agree. We know that he stepped in to do, to make that T-Rex do something in Jurassic Park. So if he's going to step in and impart his wisdom, his design knowledge and his expertise and genius on all kinds of games. Yeah. I'd rather him sprinkled in everywhere than focusing just on one title. I don't know if you listened to the podcast yet, Dennis and listener, but, uh, did you hear Jill Engelberth ask about his signature? Yes, that was a ridiculous question that I can't believe Joel bothered with. I'm so glad he asked that because I've been wondering and uh, reasons in the future you'll know. But it was very helpful hearing how that came about, his whole signature, how it's changed over time. I've noticed there's more accents or less accents. He, he dots some things twice at the end of a stroke, sometimes once. I just didn't know if there was any rhyme or reason. And I think my homie Gomi appreciated being asked. As did all the forgers. Please try to have somebody forge that signature. It's all in the strokes, baby. It's all in the strokes. Different strokes for different folks. I'm sorry, but there is more drama in Vegas. <gasps> Always bet on black. I'm not a gambler. Thinking It's not my stroke, baby. Are you a gambler? No, not really. I mean, I took a chance doing this show, but there really was no winning, so I guess There's that's the joke. just a loss. Yeah. yeah, it was there. It was a nice... You're the joke. That's joke. what makes it so funny. Well, I wasn't going that far, but uh, your initial joke was better. The Pinball Hall of Fame in Vegas. They opened there. Yeah, everybody's going to take pictures by the big old sign. Huge Split. sign. Split. You can see it from the Chopper Tours. Have you seen my sign? Sounds so big, like your vagina. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be like, I'm the bat, I'm the largest, my sausage fingers are <laughs> super tasty. Have you seen Mike Myers' fingers? Got nothing on my fingers. Finger girth, absolutely fantastic. My fingers got stamina. What doesn't have stamina, I suppose, is the surveyor. That went out there and measured the mm, lot. Yeah. Dennis, do you have any info here? Because I know that basically the surveyor went out, they built this damn building, and now the adjacent uh, or the neighboring hotel is saying, hey, there's some footage of your building on our property. Yeah, I don't know a whole lot more. It's my understanding is approximately eight feet of the building is spilled over onto, I believe it's the Dream Hotel's property. Uh, wow. So the, it's not, my understanding is the surveyor made a mistake in plotting what the land, what land was actually possessed by the Pinball Hall of Fame. And of course, the building's already up now. So word is everyone's securing their lawyers. 
Um, my understanding is surveyors are supposed to carry insurance to help cover mistakes, but obviously this is a, a very significant mistake, and I don't know yet what the solution will be. I'm sure the ideal solution would be to make an arrangement with the Dream Hotel to allow to acquire that eight feet of land Oh my god! So that it's, it's you know just move the property line, but uh, and coming to a price on that. But in theory, as the landowner who's been wronged, I imagine the Dream Hotel has a lot of you know if they want the building off of their land, they can probably force it. So my, uh, my understanding is if things go stand a really lot like years are and and you didn't catch that a property line was violated, the landowner actually loses the ability to do certain things. But obviously mm. they've caught it very early here. So but. Not Eight early enough. significant. That's significant. That's a lot of land. It is, and I mean, who who knows exactly what, why, where that got botched or why, and and maybe we'll never really know. And in some ways, I guess I don't really care. I guess all I care yeah. about is this poor, you know, this whole saga with the pandemic, and then there was the GoFundMe, and uh, because there were the concerns about getting the building up and ready, and everything moved over in time, and now it's like it's there. There's this huge announcement when the county commissioners declares it a, a special pinball day, and then, wow, eight feet over. Well, we're not talking about Flagstaff, Arizona desert land. Uh, this is the Vegas Strip. This is eight foot of Vegas Strip, uh, and that's where I think the big. You know, it's like how much is an eight foot strip of land worth? Plus, I'm not clear on if this was land that the Dream Hotel was planning to develop. So, if this is interfering with something they wanted to do, I, you know, ouch. What, what, what about easements? I thought there was easement allotment and all that. This is what easements are for, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, that's my understanding. Is uh, but I, every place has its own different rules, and I want to think someone had noted that there was like uh, maybe it's a public right of way easement on the other side, so it's not as simple as saying, "Oh no, the building should have gone eight foot the other way." I don't think there is eight feet the other way. So, but <sighs> we're I'm this is going off of a few pin side posts and a few things I've seen on social media. So it's just it's <sighs> it's just what a what a mess. Well, welcome welcome mess. to pinball. We can't have nice things. We can't even have a sign. Eight feet. Why are you even building close to the, uh, eight feet? You shouldn't even be close to there. Developing story here at the pinball show, I suppose, is uh, we'll get a correspondent on one of it. Get Craig Bobby on this. <laughs> Come on, Craig. Where are you at? Shooting geese out in the great north? Do they have geese up north? Canadian geese? I don't know, Zach. Does Canada have Canadian geese? If they would have just listened to me and not had the row and perimeter of arcade games, made the building smaller to accommodate <gasps> pinball, they wouldn't have had to mess with this. <sighs> what happens when you have sit-down drivers? Eight foot worth. <laughs> is it is it time for pinball market trends? Beep, 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 beep. I believe so. I believe so. I'm just hearing the beach behind me. Oh. No, on the fourth, never. Dennis is correct, listeners. It is that time of the podcast when we give you a vacation edition of Pinball Market Trends. Trending up this week is, I don't know how, but it's American Pinball's Houdini. <laughs> oh, this market has got to stop. This is what happens. This is what happens, listener, when you have squeezed all of the juice out of the stern lemon, out of the JJP. Well, JJP squeezed it, squeezing their own juice. They can't, they can't make the lemonade fast enough. But there's, there's nothing to buy. 
So people have resorted to just buying American pinball games on the secondary market. Now they, uh, I will preface this secondary market. They're not, they're not really jumping in value, but this last week I've last two weeks, I've sold like three Houdinis. What? <laughs> Deluxe editions. Oh boy. People are, people are grabbing Houdinis and, and this is full, full price Houdinis. This is what happens. This is where we're at, Dennis. A market that is so engorged with sausage fingers that people are grabbing Houdinis. Well, you know what I always say about the market on Houdini. It's it's a tight one, but it is findable. <laughs> so true. Also trending up this week is Stern Pinball. Because did you not just hear that interview with just another pinball podcast with George Gomez? And I did hear. I, we all heard. Come on. I'm feeling good about this one. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling pretty, pretty good. I'm hoping there's a reason to try to collect them all, like the Pokemon. That would be weird. I, I The trophies. You and I nailed it. Episodes back. Those trophies from Avengers, we're going to see them again. Special reasons. We're going to see them again. You think we'll get that damn adapter? Oh. <laughs> That's what I was just thinking. What about the direct capture Stupid cards? direct capture adapter. Then maybe they'll be built into this little oh. dongle that you have to... Because you're going to have to buy a dongle, I would think, for older games, if they do to internet connectivity on older games. I, I think someone by now would have told us that they found the Wi-Fi card in the back of the box. <laughs> Just, hey, there's a Wi-Fi in here. You know what I'm worried about, Dennis? I'm worried that Stern Pinball is smart, and they're going to sell their business. Go what do you with mean? me here. I mean, do you anticipate or see assessing this company to be worth more than it is today than it ever was or that it's ever going to be? Well, it's hard to say ever going to be. Yeah, but if if you're ta- I think it's how a much risk was it worth back in the Data East days? I don't I mean, I don't know. I'm talking about just contemporary Stern. Oh, okay. Well, I I mean, yes, that's that I'm sure, but it's like sell it to who they've already got a mix of investors involved. They're not, I mean, unless this would have to be really, really pioneering for this. Like there's nothing. No, this is going to sound really mean and I don't mean it this way, but there's nothing really innovative about this, this field like pinball. That's what deep root was trying to do. I thought with like the pin bar and all that, it seemed like everything about deep root to me seemed like we're trying to come up with a whole bunch of tech and then, either sell the rights to the tech or sell our company as like the patent holders to all this tech. That's what mm. they always felt like to me that and Stern just adding yet another feature to a successful, like I think the owners investors in Stern pinball are probably just really happy with how well it's all going. Why not just keep your investment and earn your dividends? That, yeah. It it's not, this isn't uh this isn't a penny stock that you, you pump up. It's not GameStop. We're not diamond handing this and then flipping it just on a capital gains. There's no, I just don't think it grows enough for that. You don't think so. I, there are a lot better investments. If you want to just like get shares and then sell shares higher than doing it in pinball. No one's close to them right now. Sell, get out, spend the rest of the day at the beach. You know what? Speaking of, I I'm going out on the beach trending down this week. Uh, fucking, uh, the, the LA Clippers and Atlanta Hawks for choking and not being able to do it. Uh, now that my sons are in the championship with the deer up in, in Milwaukee, I think I'm going to go to a game. Didn't you want to go to a championship NBA game with me? 
I actually don't really care for basketball. Okay. Which is unfortunate because I went to KU, which is a huge basketball school. And Syracuse. Yeah, Syracuse was too. What the hell? And lacrosse, a sport I've never understood. Yeah, so deals of the week, go find your own fucking deals. Deals of the what the fuck, there's plenty of them out there. I'm going swimming, I'm going to the beach. Screw all of this. Campbell! Market trends! (laughs) I'm waiting for the hotel staff to come and evict you out of that room. Get out of this bungalow. You don't belong here. Indiana trash. (laughs) (laughs) Take you and your Jimmy Dean fingers and get out of here. (laughs) Girthy. all right closing down this shit show uh if people want to reach out to us they can do so at the pinball network at gmail.com dennis where can people reach you at they can always email the collective gamers podcast at gmail.com and if you got a sausage finger reach out with that <laughs> I'm, I'm so would like to die by knife over hands michael myers mm. and uh we also have a an open discord now i believe the pinball community, I think it's a thing. Wasn't George saying yeah. it's a thing now? Yeah, I joined it. It has a lot of channels. I was I, overwhelmed. I was a little bit trending down on the, the number of channels. I muted like 12 of them. Ooh. Well, guys, I only want to see the little the notice that there's new messages on channels that I'll read. So I go in and I mute the ones that aren't on topics that I care about. I tend to do that too. Like if I if I've joined another Discord chat, there's there's mm-hmm. too many. If there's too many updates, and I'm seeing a bold too much. I'm like, you know what? Now, yeah. No. Well, that's what the mute's for. So that's what I I started to go through and be like, okay, I don't I don't do anything in this and this and this mute mute mute. Yeah, it's a mutiny. So we have an open Discord, the pinball community. I don't know whose that was. Was that Don't Panic Flip George Fisher? I think so. I think George. I think that's George's. It seems like George sets up all the discords. He's like, he set up every discord in the world. He was so nice. What a nice feller there. I saw he bought a dialed in, or so he said. It was all covered in a tarp. I, I almost said, oh, what if you get home and you realize it was a trick and it's WWE all along? Ooh. That should be fun watching him play some dialed in because he brings so much innovation to the streaming community. We'll have to see what he does. With I the like JJP dialed in. game. I do too. I wish I had brought Giled in home, well, but I didn't. Really? We could have called Coin Giver. We could have get you something. Flipping out pinball. This week's product showcase is everything. Bye bye bye. We're actually pre order pre order pre order. To be honest with you. Yeah. Give us a call, see what we got, 812-457-9711, or email me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at flip, the letter N, outpinball.com. I'm trying to think if there's anything juicy at uh, Flipping Out Pinball. Oh, we did have a recent stream. Joel Engelbert did a stream, Flipping Out. He had Dwight on again in chat, explaining play-by-play on all those rules, learning a lot. It's, Joel's like the, the expert on that rule set at this point in time. And if you don't like that medium of rule sets, I think Stern just distributed their their uh, written version of the rule set on the Mandalorian. But go ahead and order yourself a Mandalorian. Why not? Straight down the middle, a video series about pinball and rubber bands and whatnot. When's the rubber band episode? I don't know. We had a new video this week. I saw. I haven't seen it yet, though. Oh. I was going to prioritize it, but it didn't say rubber bands. Yeah, it's this or that. Dennis's favorite. Which is my favorite. Segment. So Yeah. It's 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 a special edition of this or that entitled mm. "Who Wore It Best," where we go through and we go through the whole the whole kit and caboodle of pros, premiums, LEs, collectors, and we'll tell you on each title which is the best one to get. I think that's handy. That's nice because do you really need the premium turtles? All you need is the pro. 
it doesn't really add that much on the premium LE. So are you just talking, uh, does it focus on art packages? Or are you like f- factoring in the features, the toys? We're factoring mostly the, 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 the bang for your buck or features found on the hmm. upper models. If you really need them or not to, to enjoy and experience the whole game. Okay. That yeah. sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. So go check that out and also follow, like, and subscribe there as well. TPN last week, we had, man, we had a lineup as like sweeps over here. Triple Dream Pinball Podcast, episode three, where they had their extra ball as Ray Day. Raymond Davidson, the number two. Ray, you're going to have to get back up to that number one spot. Who does number two work for? (laughs) Oh, shout out to the meteorologist, Florida man himself. Just another Pinball Podcast, episode 30, with that George Gomez and Tanya Flies interview. And final round Pinball Podcast, episode 37, graphic. With special guest training up himself, Tom Graff. The model. Yes, and he was on a YouTube video that I thoroughly enjoyed. I forgot the name of that. It was really good. Really good. TPN this week, we'll probably get a free play pinball podcast, if I had to guess. And I don't know if we'll get the Triple Drain. Puppet Pals, I think they're... Imminent. They uh, must be imminent. I think they're gone. No. Yeah, I think Jesse J. They died on their quest. Jesse J., I think she's just enjoying life sitting at the beach. Yeah, and that's what it sounds like from Ryan. It's like, yeah, we'll we'll put some stuff out eventually, but we're not we're not locked down anymore, so we can do what we want. Riding emu around, playing croquet, kind of like on Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> what did they ride around and play croquet? Um, what were those? I don't flamingos. Was flamingos? It? That's what it was. <laughs> All right, for Dennis Creasel, I'm. I'm vacation, Zach. There has got to be room in this country for a good quality sausage. That's a quote from Jimmy Dean himself. And always practice safe pinball. And when police officers, God bless them, love their hard work. I'm a supporter of police officers. But man, some of them can be assholes and rip up your 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 car and, and say, Mommy, Daddy, buy this and, and not find weed in your glove compartment. Uh, so long, everybody. Bang up, bang up, Big up, big up.